Hello, Georgia. Hello, Metro Augusta. And hello, wherever you are. This is Janice Allen Jackson welcoming you to the August 9th edition of Local Matters, a show designed to make you a more confident voter and a more engaged citizen. As always, today's show is brought to you as a service of my consulting firm, and that is Janice Allen Jackson and Associates, where we proudly provide services to local governments and nonprofit organizations. If you haven't already, please follow the Local Matters Podcast of Georgia on Facebook. One of the reasons that I ask you to do that is so that you can be notified when new episodes drop or when we post other informative materials, but also because people judge the support you have by the number of followers that you have on social media. So please, if you're on the Facebook platform, please take time to go ahead and follow me there on Facebook. Again, Local Matters Podcast of Georgia. Do the same on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel, Local Matters Podcast of Georgia as well. Please subscribe there. Um, You know, we don't drop a new video every week, uh, but we do every now and then. We want you to be able to catch those and share those as well. Uh, Before we get started with today's show, I want to talk to you a little bit about where I've been over the last few days. Um, I attended uh, a meeting of the Augusta AARP volunteers. You know, Wallace White of AARP, one of their staff people, was on the podcast last week, and he invited me as a follow-up to their meeting. I had a wonderful time with the volunteers of that organization, and I will encourage you that if you're over 50 years of age and you want to do something constructive with your time, to consider AARP as an organization that you should volunteer with. I also got a chance to attend the Back to School gathering um, that uh, uh, Marquita Rucker talked to us about a couple of weeks ago. Uh, There were so many people there, families, you see mom, dad, children, just so many folks. I understand they gave out over 3,500 backpacks uh, at that event. So there's some great things happening in the community. Local Matters is a part of it. And we want to continue to be a part. So if there are other activities and events that you think it would be beneficial for Local Matters to be a part of, uh, please uh, let me know. Local Matters family, we have a new member of the family joining us today. Uh, She is Ms. Erin Quattlebaum. I have known Erin for a few years because she happens to be a member of the Good Shepherd Baptist Church. I heard her talk off and on about her experiences in raising uh, a student that has some different needs. And uh, we're going to talk to her today about her experience as a parent as well as her experience as an educator. How are you doing today, Erin? I am wonderful. How are you this morning? I am great. Great. Thanks so much for being with me. And you know that our tradition on Local Matters is that we ask our guests to start off by telling us a little bit about their background. So please tell tell us who Erin Quattlebaum is. Well, first of all, thank you for having me this morning. This is a 
golden opportunity for me to be able to to talk and to voice my concerns. Um, well, I'm Erin Quattlebaum. I'm originally from Macon, Georgia. I've been here in Augusta since about 18 years old. I attended Payne College. Um, go Lions. PC one time is what we always say. Um, so um, so I've been been here since then. I got my bachelor's from there. And then I went on to get my master's from Troy and Cambridge. So I have two master's degrees. And then probably about five or six years ago, I got my specialist from University of West Georgia. Um, I have one son, Mr. Taj Quattlebaum is what I call him now because he'll be a teenager soon, in a few months. And um, I just love, 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 love talking about education, very passionate about it. It is definitely um, my thing, my calling, love it to death. Excellent, excellent. So uh, you told us a few things about yourself there's something else that I'm sure you want to share as well. Yes. So while at the wonderful Payne College, I was able to push the number one best sorority in all the land, <laughs> Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. I've been a member for over 25 years now. So yeah. So love those ladies. So shout out to the Divine Nine as well. All right. Thank you. Well, we always work that in because we've got so many in the nine land. So um, you came to Augusta, went to Payne, mm -hmm. stayed here in the community. Um, how long have you been in the field of education? I entered the field in 2010, which is when I graduated with my master's from Cambridge, which was the MED, a Master's of Education. So I've been teaching now for probably a little bit over 13 years. But as far as being involved with children, that's been my entire career since I graduated from college. Excellent. So with that in mind, uh, you're the mother of uh, Mr. Taj Quattlebaum. Mm -hmm. And um, you have a very unique perspective because unlike some of the other guests I've had talk about education, it's certainly not to take anything away from them, but you're currently involved in the classroom and you currently are the mother of a student who is uh, still a school-aged child. So I think that gives you some perspective on this topic. I also this year have brought in um, several citizens, you know, what we call everyday mm -hmm. folks to come in and talk about right. their perspective on communities. So you're checking off all the boxes for me. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad that you could be with me today. Yes, um, tell us a little bit about your um, experience with uh, working with uh, students with special needs, the services they get, how how you have felt uh, as you've navigated the system to try to get the best situation for your son. Well, I've, I've been blessed twofold to, like you said, to be a parent and to be a teacher uh, at the at the same time. I could understand both sides. So I've seen, I've seen that as a great advantage. I started out actually in counseling. So before I was a teacher, I was a counselor, and I noticed that the great majority of the children I was working with, which was in the detention centers, uh, they really had a low 
reading level. That's the first thing I always noticed about them. So when I would be counseling them, I noticed that their reading levels were low. And then I went on to, you know, learn their entire story. A number of them had special needs services in the school system, however, had been failed. So the more counseling I did, the more I noticed that I needed to be on the other side of what you know, of the other counseling realm and be in the education arena for them because I felt that it would stop some of the the recidivism for children who are incarcerated. So that was my main focus. I was like, if I can get to that classroom, then I can at least show some compassion and make sure that resources are available to them so that we can kind of stop our recidivism rate, especially amongst our, the young Black men. So being in, being in the education arena has really afforded me the opportunity to drop those nuggets and to be sure that I can get my hands on resources for our children and also to be able to recognize when our children need need services. So I feel really blessed about that. Excellent, excellent. And the need for services, if somebody really needs something special, I think they get something called an IEP. Absolutely. Can you explain what an IEP is for the benefit of our listeners? Absolutely. So in the school system, there is a formula called response to intervention, or it's called RTI. So there are four tiers there. Every student that enters the school is already in tier one, which is kind of, you know, you're doing good, you're great. Then when we start to notice academic and or behavioral issues, then you want to move those students up the tier. So tier two, will if a student is moved to tier two during a RTI meeting, then this is where some type of intervention needs to happen, be it academic or behavioral. If that tier, if we find out that tier is not uh, being, being great for that student, then you want to go to tier three. Tier three is where testing comes in and evaluations. The student support team comes in and says, okay, hey, this kid needs to be evaluated. So now you wanna call in your school psychologist you want to get testing done, you do hearing and vision, and there is a meeting that is held, which they call an eligibility meeting. The eligibility meeting will tell you, does this child qualify for an IEP, which is tier four, which is, and an IEP is an individual education plan. This is where a child starts to get special education services. So if a child reaches tier four, which is the last tier, then this is where an individual education plan or, or sometimes called individual education program is developed by a team of people, which is to include the parent or guardian. So a child will have an IEP to address their individual needs in order to be successful learner. So that's what an IEP is, but there is a process. So you you first recognize the need and then you try to move that child up tiers. And I hope I explained those greatly. So RTI or response to intervention is what is a system that's in place in the public school for students who are struggling. Okay. And 
Um, is it upon the classroom teacher to figure out that a child may need to be moved up those tiers? It is <laughs> very, it, 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 it's, it's very, it has to, most of the time it is, but you know, you can be, your parent can say, hey, I think my child is having problems. Can you please, can we please talk about it? You know, and then it could be the decision of the team to say, hey, we need to move this child up the tier. But you want that to be recognized by the teacher. Most of the time, I would say, you know, 90% of the time it's recognized by the teacher. Or it could be recognized by the counselor or it could be recognized by the parent. So it is just a, it is just an observation. You know, that's the importance of observing it observing and assessing informally and formally to see where this child lies in, in the, you know, are they, are they thriving or not? You know, so you really have to be in tune with your students to know, does this child need an intervention or not? So I would say it's, it's, it's really a team effort to decide, you know, what you need to do. So I, as a parent, could come mm -hmm. forward and say, hey, this is just not working for my child. I think he or she needs something else. Absolutely. And, and start the process of getting that child to, to, to the point of where there's an individualized education plan. Okay. Absolutely. And sometimes that's not always the answer or the solution. The IEP is not always the solution. It's the ultimate solution. But nine times out of 10, um, if you're, you know, if the child qualifies for that, then that's the, to me, in my opinion, is the best solution. But every child doesn't need it. However, we do want to recognize those that, you know, do need it. There are some other things that could be in place, maybe some um, in that tier, in that tier program, maybe tier two, they have some testing interventions or you know, some things they need to do prior to testing or during testing that could help them or in the classroom, just things for the teacher, tools for the teacher to use so the child can be successful in their learning. It's not always an IEP, but the IEP is the ultimate helper. That's just, you know, in my opinion, it is. Yeah. Steps along the way. Right, so, right. Let's say a child does get to the point where it's agreed upon that the IEP is the appropriate level of intervention. Mm -hmm. um, are there some reasons that some children seem to do better with their IEP than others? There is some reasons that IEP is a, well, first of all, it's a legal document that includes accommodations for students, modifications for students, classroom things. It gives the teacher a history of their strengths and needs. It has goals for the students. So it's very, it's a very detailed document that's in place to let you know it's, it's pretty much a snapshot of the kid and what you need to use in order to help the kid to be successful in your classroom. So in there, that's where the importance come on using it, reading it and knowing what it says so that that particular child can be successful. And a lot of things that teachers don't realize is that it can help all students. You know, you just, it's just a guide for that student, but sometimes you can use those accommodations and things for students who have not been identified as needing uh, special education services. Um, and you talked about a legal document. Does that mean mm -hmm. that it has to be followed to the T? It has to be followed to the 
T. It, it, if it is not followed to the T, then you are in violation of the federal law. It is a legal document. So that is an, an, um, an issue that has been going on forever and a day. So yes, it is a legal document. It has to be followed to the T. If there comes a time where, you know, someone notices or the parent knows or the child knows that it has not been followed to the T, then we, you know, that leads you to a whole nother area of concerns. And does that happen sometimes? It happens every day. It's happening right now. <laughs> like It happens every day, every city, every state is happening. Have there been lawsuits? Absolutely. But those lawsuits have been filed by parents who are, are aware. And that's the issue. Some parents are just not aware of their rights because most children are, are not being raised by biological parents. Sometimes it's the grandparent. Sometimes it's the foster parent. And when that IEP is not followed, we fail the child. So the child fails and then people wonder why the child is failing. Well, if they have an IEP in place, did you follow it? If you didn't follow it, then you need to go back. Most of the time when a child is failing, it's not the child, it's us, it's the teacher. And I, and I, and I put the call on us because we have not did our, you know, we have not done our due diligence to, to read it. And that's the issue that we follow. I, I found a lot. Teachers are not even reading the IEP. And, and, and that's a huge issue. This, this happens, this is a daily occurrence, daily. Okay, so yeah. <laughs> are there consequences? Is there oversight? Because normally, you know, if there's a legal document like that, it seems like somebody should be watching to ensure that it is indeed complied with. Right. So is there not adequate oversight to ensure that it's being complied with? There is no adequate oversight. The only consequence I've found is that children fail. When when it is brought to the attention of the teacher by the, by the special education teacher, and most of the times it's not being followed by the general education teacher. And there are, there are set, certain settings, like there's a teaching model called co-teaching, which I've been a big part of in the, in the school. Co-teaching is a model used in the special education arena and it is a service. So that IEP includes a service. What co-teaching is, is when you have two teachers in the classroom at the same time. One is a general education teacher. One is a special education teacher. Nobody should ever know. But what I find is that the gen ed teacher, they don't like that. The majority of them don't like it. Some do, some don't. But what I found to be true is that they don't. They don't want another teacher coming in their classroom. They don't want to follow the IEP. It interferes with their teaching style. So it's a, it's a huge problem. Consequences that, we, that I've seen when I talk about it, the only consequence I've seen is that we come to the table and we talk about it, but do we go back and do it? No. So we have to keep coming back to the table, keep coming back to the table. The only time I've seen true consequences is with parents who are aware. When you have parents who are aware and they're not, and they're not ignorant 
parent use that very delicately. They know what their child is supposed to have. They're checking on the school. They're coming up to the school. They're asking their child. They're talking to the teachers on a daily basis. Those IEPs are followed because we don't want a lawsuit. So the, the, the school system becomes afraid of a lawsuit. So they are in fear of a lawsuit. They don't want a lawsuit. When, when little Timmy's mom called, please answer her because she will call downtown. That is the main thing you hear all the time. So you don't, they don't want that, you know, so, but with the parents of children with IEPs who are not aware, who have not been enlightened about what that IEP is about, are, those are the children that are overlooked. They get overlooked and there is no consequence for that. And so that's where the special education teacher, I have to fight, you know, we have to fight to say, hey, did you follow that IEP? You know, and then that's where there's a lot of conflict, a lot of attitudes developed between the gen ed and the sped teacher and the special education teacher because they are in conflict with what needs to be done by law. And they just are, for lack of a better term, set in their ways and their teaching styles that is just not going to work for their classroom. So that's where we have a lot of issues and problems. So I've heard that unless there's a vigilant parent or mm -hmm. guardian that knows what the IEP is supposed to call for, it's easy mm -hmm. for it to just pass right on by and nobody ever knows the child is not getting what he or she's supposed to get. Absolutely. Um, and what sorts of things is typically, what sorts of things would you see on an IEP that routinely are ignored? The main thing I've seen on an IEP that's ignored are accommodations and accommodations can be anything like repeating directions to the child, having the child repeat directions in their own words to you, chunking their assignments, giving additional time. So some most of the time students get time and a half. So like they'll get extra time to take a test. Small group, like students who have accommodations, maybe they should be taking their tests in a group of 10 or less, but they'll take their tests in a group of 30 or more children. And those are the things I've seen follow. So what's supposed to happen is you're supposed to go back and repeat that entire scenario with the accommodations. But does that happen? No. When we make a noise about it, you know, when we bang our drum and our symbols and say, hey, you didn't do X, Y, Z, conflict happens. Sometimes, the, you know, they go back and do it. Sometimes they don't. And then that's where... Um, us as special education teachers have to go back and empower that parent and say, hey, you know, you didn't, little Timmy didn't get, or little Susie didn't get a chance to take that test without accommodation. I need you to call. And that's what I've done in the past. You know, a lot of those general education it's teachers don't know. watchdog environment. Absolutely. You are so right. It is, it's very, uh, you know, like the classroom can be very territorial, like, you know, like, uh, Jeanette teachers can be because it is their ground. This is my ground. You're in my playground. This is my place. Don't come in here trying to tell me how you, I'm supposed to teach these children. Don't do it because I'm not going to do it. So you, and then the biggest issue I found in the 
co-teaching model, which is just one service on the, which can be one service on the IEP, is that the general education teacher wants you to just take your kids, you know, all of the children with the IEPs, they want you to take them in a corner in the back and teach them. And they want to teach their kids, which we have to fight that old model. We have to fight it and say, hey, no, that is not part. We're not following the IEP. We have to follow this IEP. Just because we're in this classroom with you does not mean I'm, I'm here to step on your territory. So there are a lot of things that are included in the IEP that are not followed that we have to fight to follow, even from. Um, Jeanette teacher all the way up to the administrative staff. You have to fight. Obviously, from your experience in the classroom, mm -hmm. as well as your experience as a parent, mm -hmm. you have gleaned an awful lot of perspective and understanding, and you have a lot of experience um, that could likely be beneficial to others um, based upon you know everything that you, you've learned over these years. So tell me, I know today you're a classroom teacher and you're a dedicated parent. What is it? If Erin could do whatever she wanted to do, what would she be doing? Erin would be advocating for every parent and family that needed it. I would be an educational consultant to the bone. I would work that for 24-7. I found myself doing it already. When parents in the streets, in the Walmart, wherever I am, if I hear my child can't read or I don't know what to do, I'm immediately in that conversation. So I truly believe that's where I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be in that educational arena. I'm fighting for you. That's where I would be. I believe that it's important for parents to know that they have options for their children I think it's important that they know that that school is supposed to be doing things, that their child does have a, a right to a free and appropriate public education. Everything is there. The things are there, but the sad part about that is most of the time the school is not going to tell you, I am, I am that teacher and parent who's going to tell you because I had to fight for my own so I understand what that fight is, you know, it's like I said, I I get I'm blessed to see both sides. I'm a parent that had to fight, but I'm a teacher that's willing to fight for you like I would have fought for my like I fought for my own child. So yes, I I that's what I would be doing. I'm consulting for you, I'm advocating for you, I'm trying to help you get the best experience. I want your child to have the best educational experience that they can have, be it in public school, be it outside, wherever it is, I'm, I'm the person for that. I, I really can help you find that place where your child is happy about school and not uh, scared, you know, scared or intimidated by a school building, because I know what it feels like. I saw my child go through it, so I understand. Excellent. Thank you so much. This time has gotten away from us, uh, but I thank you so much for your willingness to be a Local Matters guest. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Um, is there anything else you want to share before we close out our interview? Yes. The, the best school for your child is the school that has the teacher that wants to teach your child. I'm here to help. 
and help you. Contact me to help you fight for your child. I will help you fight. I have no shame in, in doing whatever it is I need to do to make sure that your child sees a better day at the school. All right. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. This has been Aaron Quattlebaum of Augusta, Georgia. Thank you for having me. Great. Thank you so much. Local Matters family, again, that was Miss Erin Quattlebaum. We thank her so much uh, for taking the initiative. She actually called me herself and said, hey, you know, I'd love to be on your podcast. It was suggested to her by another guest. So that's how we work. If there are people that you think would be excellent guests for the show, please don't hesitate to reach out to me either via Facebook Messenger or via email. Uh, or my contact us page on my website. Just Google Janice Allen Jackson and Associates. The website will come up. You can go to the contact us page uh, and uh, reach out to me. Uh, next week, my guest will be Dr. Linda Tuccheroni, and we're going to continue our discussion about the future of education and what it takes to make it work. Thanks so much for being a part of the family. I close with my favorite Bible verse, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This show is designed to contribute to each of those, giving you the power that comes with knowledge, demonstrating love for your local community, and offering you wisdom for decision-making so that you possess a sound mind when it comes to these topics. Please tune in next Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. or Thursday at 7 p.m. here on 103.7 FM or 1600 AM. Or please go to SoundCloud, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts at any time because local matters.